Good morning, my name is Carolyn Crocker. Our first reading is from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they will not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and, with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Yes, as Corky was saying, my name is Matthew. If I have not met you before, I'm very glad to meet you now. Is this microphone okay? It sounds a little bit echoey and weird. I'm going to talk very loudly. Is that better? Is that better? Can we just have a, uh, that first slide up on um, the screen? That's uh, a picture of a church in Charleston, South Carolina. I said that with a southern accent, didn't I? I did live in the South for a while. It's the oldest African-American church in the South, an AME church. And if you look carefully at the bottom, you can see people laying flowers outside the church. And a few years ago, a young man called Dylan Roof walked into that church through the, the little bottom arch. It was a Wednesday, Wednesday night, so there was no church going on. But at the bottom there, that little arch, there was a Bible study. It's an African-American church. The Bible study was exclusively African-Americans. Dylan Roof was a young white man. So they were a little surprised when Dylan walked in, but this was church. And in church, you practice hospitality, right? You know what that, how that goes. You can nod your heads, yes. We're a hospitable people. So they welcomed him in, and he sat down, and they were gathered together in a small circle, uh, praying together. It was a habit long formed, a practice of hospitality. And then at one point in the Bible study, they stood up together to pray, and they closed their eyes. And it was at that point that Dylan Roof pulled out a gun and shot nine of them, including the lead pastor. Now, why do I tell you that story? Well, the extraordinary thing about this terrible event was that at the first court appearance when Dylan Roof was first arraigned, 
The families of the deceased were also there in the court. And actually, Dylan wasn't inside the court. He was there on a video relay. They could see him. He couldn't see them, but he could hear them. And as Dylan appeared on the screen, apparently spontaneously, the daughter of 70-year-old Ethel Lance, who had died, stood up in court and said, I forgive you. And then one by one, other relatives of the sons, the fathers, the friends who had also died stood up and offered forgiveness. Again, apparently, totally spontaneously. They knew as a community how to practice hospitality, and they knew as a community how to practice forgiveness, a practice long-formed by faith, and knowing what it is to know the love of the Father. So we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness this morning, and it's not an easy subject, so forgive me if this is a little serious, but I think forgiveness is not one of those things we can be glib about. And I want to say straight up, I am not qualified in any way to talk about forgiveness, okay? I don't know if I'm very good at it. I thought I was quite good at forgiving people until something, of course, happened that I really found difficult to forgive. And I've discovered one thing about age as you guys will discover that as you go, you gather stuff. You just collect little hurts and then big hurts. And sometimes those hurts are really hard to forgive. But we're looking at the Lord's Prayer as a community. And right in the heart of it, you can't miss it. It says, forgive. You give, guys, forgive as you have been forgiven. Forgive. So I want to talk about forgiveness this morning. I want to recognize forgiveness is difficult. It's a journey. It's difficult to walk it out. It's easy to say it. It's an easy thing to get our heads around in one way, but it is very hard to walk out. It's a journey. And actually, I think you cannot fully understand forgiveness from the outside. You can only really understand what forgiveness is when you're in that journey yourself. So would you pray with me, and then we will have a little wrestle with that. So Lord, this morning, as we think about something that is right at the heart of the gospel we hear week in, week out, that we try to live out in our lives, forgiveness, would you help us to open our hearts to be honest with ourselves? at least in the privacy of our own hearts and minds, that we would know where we are, that we would be truthful, and that we would be real about what it is to forgive. Amen. And I am, at the end of this talk, going to give you a chance to do some forgiving. Very public, uh, not very public, the opposite, very private. But I, I really want to do that because I think... It, this is some ways quite practical, really, and in other ways, really complex. And anyway, let's start with the easy part. It's the easy part with a bit of a surprise. Yes, forgiveness is right at the heart of Jesus' mission on earth. This is what Jesus, uh, Jesus said in Luke 6:37. He's made a series of statements. They're commands. They're not offers or suggestions or polite ways of saying you might want to think about this. It's like, no, this is how we are to live. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, 
and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And there are three sermons right in that little, tiny little phrase, and I'm not going to do it all. You'll be very glad to hear. But forgive, and you will be forgiven. So Jesus told a foundational story, one of his most famous parables, to help us understand what forgiveness is, and in understanding that, understand who God is, God the Father, the story of the prodigal son. You know the story, don't you? You can nod your heads. Yes. Yes, Pastor, we know the story. Good. So a son goes to his father and asks for his inheritance before the father dies. In Jewish culture, that's saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine now. So the father astonishingly gives him about a third of what he has, and the son wanders off and squanders it in wild living and finds himself living among pigs, basically becomes a swine herd. What is a good Jewish boy doing looking after pigs? It's the lowest of the low. And when he's there, he suddenly realizes he has this moment when he thinks, do you know what? My father's servants are better off than I am. Why don't I go back to him and see if I basically can become one of his servants, because that's better than where I am right now. He's not having a huge change of heart. I think that parable often gets preached as a moment of repentance. He repents of his life and his sin. Maybe, but it doesn't say that. What he says is, I might be better off. My life would be better if I go back and become a servant of the Father. So he goes back. And here's the point of the parable. While the son is still a long way off, the father, who presumably has been watching for him, praying and hoping for his return, sees him and he runs to him. The father runs to the son while the son is still a long way off. And again, we know enough about Jewish culture that fathers, dignified men in that time, never ran. It would be to lose your dignity so this father is willing to lose his status and dignity to run towards the son. This is an image of uh, the prodigal son painted by a painter called Rembrandt. And Henry Nguyen, who was a Catholic priest, wrote an amazing book based on this painting really studying it, spending time. And this is what Henry Nguyen said. He said, here is the God I want to believe in. A father who from the beginning of creation has stretched out his arms in merciful blessing. Never forcing himself on anyone. In the story, the father lets the son go. But always waiting. Never letting his arms drop down in despair, but always hoping that his children will return so he can speak words of love to them and let his tired arms rest on their shoulders. His only desire is to bless. And some people have said, really, we call this parable, though we give it the wrong name, it should be called the parable of the prodigal father. The father whose love is so great that he spends it prodigally recklessly on people like you and me who really do not deserve it and haven't even necessarily asked for it. 
We read from Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, it finishes, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. If you don't know this morning that the heart of the Father is the heart of love, it is the heart of forgiveness that gives first forgiveness, then I don't think we've fully understood the cross. And I would say, as a sort of representative of the church, is we often present the cross as a kind of business deal. It's a transaction. Yeah, he, uh, Jesus dies so that you get off scot-free. It's a kind of business deal. A transactional thing that happens. And I'm not denying that that is true, but I am saying it's not enough to understand the cross. That in the cross we get a glimpse, a moment, an image of the self-giving love of God. It's an image of love, of prodigal love, of love poured out, sacrificial love that is beyond, frankly, our comprehension. And yet most of our lives we live as orphans desperately seeking the love of the Father. And yet Jesus has said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That love is already here. It is already offered to you. It is already present. And the whole point of the parable is the Father's nature is to love first. He gives first. He forgives. Okay. Got it? Sermon over. Nice idea, really hard to grasp if you're honest. Really hard to live fully in the love of the Father and not behave as an orphan. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus didn't teach only once on forgiveness. He also taught another parable that makes the whole thing a little bit more complex. In Matthew, Peter, one of the disciples, comes up and asks the question, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How many times do I have to forgive him? As many as seven times? That sounds quite a lot, doesn't it? Seven? And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. 77. That doesn't mean that Jesus is inviting you to count to 77. It's just limitless, is what Jesus is saying. And then Jesus goes straight on to tell a story to Peter. He's like, oh, okay. And it's the parable of the unforgiving servant, a man who is forgiven his debts by a king. The story goes like this. There's a king who forgives the debts, literal debts in this case, monetary debts of a servant. And the servant says, thank you very much. And he goes out but then refuses to forgive the debts that are owed to him. And the parable ends like this. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until this servant should pay all his debts. So now suddenly, the servant has got to pay his debts again. And then Jesus says these extremely uncomfortable words. Are you ready to be uncomfortable? So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you. Oh, I know, not me. Not me but to every one of you. So also, and me, 
So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not give your brother from your heart. Wow. What are you going to do with that? We pray every Sunday here at CCV, forgive us our trespasses, our debts, different translations, same idea, as, large letters, A-S, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's the same idea. That somehow there is a link that Jesus makes between his forgiveness, the forgiveness of the Father, and our forgiveness. There's an as. He joins them together. And I have to be honest with you, I don't really know what to make of that. It's really difficult. Does that mean if I don't forgive, I am not going to be forgiven? Maybe I should do a straw poll. Who thinks that that's what it means? Some of you do. Okay, maybe. Does it mean if I don't forgive, I'm going to lose my forgiveness? Come on, I said this was going to be uncomfortable. Does that mean, is that what it means? I don't know. It's really hard. Does it mean if I am forgiven, I have to forgive? Oh, I can raise my hand to that. I'm pretty sure of that. Is that we get to live the same kind of life and love as the love of the Father. We are called into his love, and now we must, we are I don't think obliged is the right word, but we are called to live the same kind of love out into the world. That I can get my head around. So it's like this. Forgiveness becomes our north star. It's the way that we navigate the world. It's where we're heading. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. We can't not Accept that. If we don't accept that, we're not really accepting Jesus. It's at the heart of his message. It's at the heart of his mission. It's at the heart of the kingdom. We don't get to walk around not forgiving and say it's okay. It's really, really hard. I've worked around churches long enough to know that there's probably not one single one of us in this room who doesn't struggle with forgiveness at some level. Whether it's a family story, something that a sibling has done that you carry, forgiveness or unforgiveness is everywhere, and yet it is our North Star. It's where we must go. We could leave it there, but I'm not going to, because I know it's not simple. Can we just have that next slide up? I became you know, a Christian at the age of 32, and I was quite interested by this idea of forgiveness. That's one, yeah, thank you. Um, the idea of forgiveness. I was like, I, I kind of get it. I hear about it in church, but I, I don't really know w- what it is. W- what is forgiveness? Does it mean that everything is okay, that it doesn't matter if somebody hurts somebody else? It's just like a kind of whitewash that you paint over everything. Oh, it's all forgiven. No, it's okay, it's okay. So I thought I'll go on a little journey. And at the time, I was working in production, and uh, I, made, I managed to persuade Channel 4 to make, uh, which is one of the four big TV stations in the UK, to make some short films about forgiveness. Stories that have come from a project called The Forgiveness Project, actually a secular project, not Christian. And I found these people. Let me introduce you to them. That's Sue. Um, if the picture was bigger, you see that she doesn't have any legs. She had her legs blown off in the July 7th tube bombing in London. In London. 
That's Michael up right. He's got the little thing underneath because he can't really speak. He was a boxer, and he got brain damage in a fight um, with uh, Chris Eubank, a famous British boxer. This woman, who you can't see, she was sexually abused by her father for a long time. And then bottom right is uh, Sue. Sorry, that's Jill. That's Sue. She also was disabled, though you can't see it because of the way she's dressed, uh, by an IRA bomb. And she learned to become a pilot as part of her healing. And I went to them, and I wanted to ask them, what does forgiveness look like for you? You know, can you forgive? Have you forgiven? And what is it? What is this thing called forgiveness? And it's not like I came away with any simple answers. I don't think I came away clearer. In some ways, I came away with more questions than answers. But a couple of things did come up. Firstly, forgiveness is a journey. It's not a one-off thing. And of course, depending on the level of pain or hurt, that journey is longer or shorter. And part of that journey is to go ever deeper into an understanding of what actually forgiveness is. And I don't think you can fully forgive, I'm sorry, understand forgiveness until you are inside the journey yourself. It's very easy to stand on the outside and say, you should forgive. You're a Christian, aren't you? You've been hurt, well, you must forgive. And that's true, but incredibly unhelpful. When we, as a church, are faced with somebody who's badly hurt, we need to be so careful of just saying, just forgive them. Just forgive. Let go of your anger. It's the Christian thing, didn't you know? Don't say it to other people and don't say it to yourself. It can be hugely damaging because we make forgiveness another wound that we lay on the wounded. Make them feel like they're responsible now for putting things right when they were the victim in the first place. That their anger is not legitimate. That justice has no place in their lives. Their story and their pain doesn't count. That's what we can make forgiveness do if we misunderstand it. And in Mother, the story of the Mother Emmanuel, that church that I showed you at the beginning, that extraordinary act of forgiveness within that own, their own community was not universally uh, uh, accepted. Predominantly, it was like that was an amazing thing and a wonderful thing, but it brought up a lot of questions. What does that mean to say, I forgive Dylan Roof? Does it mean he shouldn't go to jail? Does it mean what he did doesn't matter? Does it mean that they shouldn't be angry, sad, or grieve? Is all of that just wiped out now? Some really hard questions came up around that thing. I got involved in the screening of a documentary, which I would recommend you watching if you're interested. And it wasn't like they all forgave either. There was one man in particular who lost his sister. He said, I can't forgive. I just can't. He wasn't at that point in his journey that he could. He couldn't. So part of this journey of forgiveness, I would suggest, means that we have to learn to listen. We have to learn to listen deeply to each other's story. Here's another story from the same forgiveness project that those four stories came out. I'm going to have the next slide. The woman in the middle is uh, an American lady. She's called Linda Beale. 
And on either side are two young men. I don't know the man's, this man's name, but that guy is called Easy in a lovely South African way. And those two young men murdered her daughter. Amy. She was a Fulbright scholar, and she was murdered in an act of political violence in a township near Cape Town. There were actually four of them involved. And in 1998, they were granted amnesty by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. They'd been sent to prison for about five years. Well, they'd been there for about five years. And, and Linda supported the decision to let them go. And astoundingly, they ended up working together in the Amy Beale Foundation. They now work together. Or at least they did last time I knew about this story. And that the aim of the foundation was to keep youth out of crime. And Linda now says, these two, they're like my own kids. And I just wanted to read a little bit, actually, of Easy's words. The other side of forgiveness, if you will. His story. And can we just have the next slide up? Because do you remember the image of the prodigal son? That's Easy and Linda. This is what Easy said. I was a member of the Zanian People's Liberation Army, the armed wing of the Pan-African Congress. Our slogan was, one settler, one bullet. The first time I saw Linda and Peter on TV, I hated them. I thought this was the strategy of the whites to come to South Africa to call for capital punishment. But they didn't even mention wanting to hang us. I was very confused. They seemed to understand that the youth of the township had carried this crisis, this South African crisis, this fight for liberation on their shoulders. At first, I didn't want to go to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to give testimony. I thought it was a sellout. But then I read in the press that Linda and Peter, Peter is Linda's husband, had said that it was not up to them to forgive. It was up to the people in South Africa to learn to forgive each other. I decided to go and tell our story and show remorse. Amnesty wasn't my motivation. I just wanted to ask for forgiveness. I wanted to say in front of Linda and Peter, face to face, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? I wanted to be free in my mind and body. It must have been so painful for them to lose their daughter. But by coming to South Africa, not to speak of recrimination, but to speak of the pain of our struggle, they gave me back my freedom. That's a story wrapped up in the story of South Africa. You can't replicate that. You can't say, well, that now applies equally to every situation that we find ourselves in. Forgiveness requires a deep, deep listening. And what I took away from that, and what I took away from my little journey of trying to understand forgiveness is that I can't really tell you or give you a neat definition of forgiveness. I can speak of its opposite, unforgiveness, with quite some clarity. That the opposite of forgiveness is the desire to get even. 
the right even, our sense that we have a right to get even, the human need to get back, to wound when we have been wounded, to settle the score, to get revenge. And come on, do we not see that everywhere around us? It's the atmosphere we breathe day in, day out. Settle the score, get your revenge, get your own back. And say, if that's unforgiveness, which is a poison we make for our enemy, but end up drinking ourselves, putting ourselves in some form of bondage or prison, then forgiveness must be something like liberation, something like freedom. It's somehow releasing judgment to God, and even extraordinarily going further than just releasing, but seeking the ultimate good of the one who harmed us, like Linda sought the ultimate good of easy. That's more than just letting it go, isn't it? It's going further. It's like the prodigal father. It's pouring our lives out, our love, for those who really, really don't deserve it. It's complex, it's deeply personal, it's hard, it's a story. And Linda was mentored in her journey, her story of forgiveness, by Archbishop Desmond Tutu, a South African bishop who knew a lot about forgiving. He was part of the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. He wrote the book of forgiving, and he wrote this. Forgiveness does not relieve someone of responsibility for what they have done. Forgiveness does not erase accountability. It's not about turning a blind eye or even turning the other cheek. I thought it was an interesting statement. It's not about letting someone off the hook or saying it's okay to do something monstrous. Forgiveness is simply about understanding that every one of us is both inherently good and inherently flawed. Within every hopeless situation and every seemingly hopeless person, lies the possibility of transformation. So let me end with this. We've said this morning that forgiveness is our north star. Yes, we must, as people of faith, people who are following Jesus, head in that direction. We are forgiven as we forgive. There's some kind of link there. I don't really care how you understand it, but it's there. It's clear. As We are forgiven, we forgive. We forgive as we are forgiven. And we can't really understand that outside of the love of a prodigal father who runs towards us. But we've also said that forgiveness isn't easy to do or understand. And we need to respect the journey and story of forgiveness in every person. And I want to finish with this by giving you an opportunity now in the privacy of your own thoughts and your heart, by closing your eyes, very risky, what will happen? And if there is a situation or a person you know you're struggling with this thing of forgiveness, I'm just going to lead you a little bit through a prayer. I'll just bring up this last slide, actually, just before I do that. This is, again, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. He says, this is what forgiveness looks like. This is a little map, if you want. It involves admitting the wrong and acknowledging the harm. It has to happen. Telling one's story and witnessing the anguish. Don't deny the pain. 
asking for forgiveness and granting forgiveness, and renewing or releasing the relationship. Relationships can't always be solved. Sometimes it's right to say there can be no relationship. So let me invite you to close your eyes now. And wherever you are, whether this is a journey of forgiveness at your beginning or something that you've been wrestling with for a long time, maybe even years, maybe even a lifetime, I just want to invite you to bring that person up before you in your mind. Maybe there's never been an admission about the wrong or the harm that's done. And maybe there never will be. But in your own mind and in your own heart, it is not wrong to acknowledge that harm has been done. Maybe you've never told that story or witnessed to that anguish. And I invite you just to say quietly, and you don't have to say this out loud, just in the privacy of your heart and mind, to say, I forgive you. It may not be the last time you have to say it. And I want you just to acknowledge in your hearts whether you think it's possible that relationship could be renewed or you might have to release it and let it go. Father, as we prayed these things, these things that get to the heart of the human problem, which is the problem of the human heart, these deep things that you spoke to on the cross when you said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I ask that you would go with us in the rest of this service as we worship and take communion, that your spirit would help us to continue this journey towards the North Star of forgiveness. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
I 